0: Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz.
1: I preached last Sunday about the Lord's ways, Ezekiel 18. The people had said, though they were in open sin... Lord, your ways are not equal. He said, well, it's not really my ways. The question here, it's your ways. Are not your ways unequal? When our heart is not right, it's easy to look at others and uh, misunderstand or misinterpret their ways and to try to say, well, hey, what is it? But really oftentimes the Lord is trying to say, well, hey, look at your ways. Are not your ways unequal? And uh, I'm thankful that God's ways are not our ways. They're higher than our ways. And uh, there are ways of God and his work in our lives that are past finding out. We're just going to have to trust him, right? Lord, I trust you. I submit to you and I follow you with my whole heart. You know what you're doing. I remember years ago, my mother sent me and my brother away. It was crushing to me. It was a very uh, not only volatile situation we were living in, but even violent. She sent us away. I remember packing. I can see. I can see my closet and the black trash bags. We're putting our clothes in. It devastated me. But she told me some years later, she said, I didn't tell you at the time, but there's a reason that I sent you all away. And because the situation being so volatile, she said, I knew what you would do if you were there and you saw what was going on. And I did this to protect you and your brother. I sent you away. Now, I'm telling you, there are going to be times when the Lord, I believe, when we stand before him and we'll say, Lord, I, to this day, I carried this my whole life even perhaps, and I, I never understood it. And the Lord will say, well, let me shed some light on it and let me show you how I was protecting you all the while. You were grappling with it, struggling. Why? What is this? Why this? and you know, where is God? And, and sometimes it seems so unjust. It seems inequitable, and we're dealing with all of that. But yet, there's a point of where we're going to have to say, Lord, I believe, help me without my unbelief. Lord, I trust you. Help me to trust you more. Help me to rest in you, because you are a good God, and you do right by us. If there's anyone on trial tonight, it's not the Lord. It's us. Isn't that Right? So, Lord, try me, test me, prove me, maybe put me out there in a situation that I don't understand, it doesn't compute with me, but then see how I will act or react. Because what you're wanting me to see is what is really in my heart that you already see. And when I see it for what it really is in your presence as you see it, Lord, then that will humble me and that will bring me to a place of true repentance and true trust and may the Lord help us to be found there let's just look back at Proverbs tonight Proverbs chapter 3 I began this message this morning I just want you to make sure that you've underlined these he says in verse 3 let not mercy and truth forsake thee embrace the kindness of God the truth of his word Uh, develop a heart and life that is lovingly loyal to God and man if so you'll be well regarded by both let not notice verse 5 trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding underline these lean not acknowledge god know him personally walk with him by faith realize and acknowledging yourself that you don't have all the wisdom all the understanding all the resources needed to do what god is giving you to do and so lean not to your own understanding Don't try to figure it, fix it, or finagle it in some way to make it turn out in the way that you want because sometimes you think, well, I'm zealous for the Lord and my zeal is to make thus and such happen. You have to be careful there because it may not be what the Lord wants or when the Lord wants it or how. We have to trust Him. That's what He says with all our heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. And then we look over in chapter six, Proverbs chapter six, where the Bible says in verse 25, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. This matter of faithfulness and fidelity over folly and foolishness. A heart that is given to God, a heart that is true, a heart that is teachable, correctable, one that can be instructed According to verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. God's corrections, God's teaching us, God's refining, deepening, developing our faith and our understanding. So we gotta be careful if we walk by faith and follow the wisdom of God's word, then we'll uh, avoid that snare that has destroyed so many well the Bible talks about in chapter 7 in verse 26 for she hath cast down many wounded yea many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. We've got to be careful giving our heart to someone or something other than the Lord. Because those who are not given to the Lord oftentimes do not value their lives nor their future, nor will they yours. It's a game to them. You're a conquest to them. It seems like you are everything to them to gain your confidence and your trust, and then all of a sudden, you're nothing to them. Remember Amnon and Tamar? Amazing. Oh, how loving and kind and needy he was for her and then all of a sudden he despised her the bible says be careful especially when you're vulnerable especially when you're in a time of uh, dismay you're perplexed you're weary you're tired uh, be careful be careful drawn out of the lord purpose to do what is right and keep your heart true Before him. Now, as we think about it, I mentioned I'd give you a bonus point, and that's in chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, just look there. This is a natural, alliterated Bible outline. Proverbs chapter 20, we read in verse 13. I want you to see this. It says, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Now, one writer said it this way. The verse preceding, the hearing ear and the seeing eye indicate true perceptiveness. The ear that really hears and the eye that really sees. This perception is necessary for wisdom. It is through the ready hearing of the right teaching and through the observant eye that one becomes wise. They listen to what God says and they see its effect in people's lives. If I obey God, what God does. If I disobey what sin does in one's life. And so they observe that. And there's a wisdom there. Ezekiel 18 talks about that when some watches one's life and then they see them disobey God and then the consequence of that sin come to play, then when they consider that is the word, they literally weigh that, they take it to heart, and they say, hey, that's not worth it. God helping me, I have a choice here and I want to avoid that. Psalm 4 and verse 4 says, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your own bed. Just get caught up with the wonder of God. And when you see God for who he really is, you'll see sin for what it really is because that's what we learned from Isaiah when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the Lord was holy before him. And as he saw the holiness of God, he saw the sinfulness of himself. We're blinded to that when our eyes are off the Lord, we sometimes can be deceived by our own fault our own folly, we can rationalize, justify. We don't see it as clearly as God sees it. And we need God's take on every matter. And so think about this. Listening, watching, observing comes in handy in situations to where we understand that there are those who are slothful. They'll do anything to get out of being committed or responsible and that's what God warns against he says there's a work to be done there's a reward to labor in all labor there is profit but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury that's a word that literally means poverty it's one thing to talk it it's another thing to actually lay hold of it it's one thing to even plan it it's another thing to execute your plan and actually get something done and that's what God is saying here you have a choice. Will you indulge yourself or deny yourself? Will you just in some way excuse yourself? Or will you discipline yourself and say, there, is, there are blessings that await. There is an opportunity that God has given me. It's not something that's going to be handed to me. It's something that I have to reach for, lay hold of, and actually do something with. I've got to get the job done. And that's what he's saying here. Open thine eyes and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Do your part. We live in an entitlement mindset today. Uh, people have been brought up oftentimes in a land of abundance and they think things are just there because they're supposed to be there and they don't realize that someone had to work for that, even sacrifice for certain things and they think, well, it's just supposed to be there and it kind of happens on its own. No, it doesn't happen on its own. Life won't happen on its own. You will live life on purpose or you'll be sorely disillusioned and disappointed. Disappointed. Because life left to itself is the second law of thermodynamics. Everything in a fallen world tends to what? Chaos, disorder. You won't wake up this summer and the yard be so nice and green and well manicured and taken care of. No, you'll have to mow it. You'll have to weed eat it. And I appreciate everyone that helps take good care of this campus around here We want to beautify the house of God, but it takes intentionality. That's what he's saying here. You've got to do things on purpose. You've got to decide what is important to you. You've got to do what is right. You've got to put forth the effort, but with the effort will come the reward. Without the effort, the reward is forfeited. So he says here, love not sleep, be observant, be mindful We all need rest. We all need a break. We all need uh, a good pace in life. I think that's one thing that uh, it's kind of like it can go from one extreme to the other. You've got those who work and work and work and never take a break until they're forced to. And then when they're forced to, things just kind of come unraveled for them and they have to work through that. But then on the other end, you've got some who, who've never gotten to that level of commitment and they don't know what it takes because it grieves them, like the Bible says, to bring their hand to their mouth again. we got to do that? we got to do that too? Man, I can't even do what I'm doing right now. What You see what I'm saying? So there's two extremes. Either side of the road, you're in the ditch. And the adversary doesn't care how he gets you out of God's will. He doesn't care as long as you don't do what God's giving you to do. But we must be action-oriented people to actually lay hold of what God's given us and develop something forward and make the most of that opportunity that God has given. And so with that in mind, look over in chapter 23. Notice verse 4. Proverbs 23 and verse 4. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Think of that. When wealth is acquired through wise efforts such as diligence and is given to the Lord, it's a positive blessing in our lives. It comes as a result of fearing God, acknowledging God, putting God first and foremost in one's life. But wealth pursued as an end in and of itself is the fool's errand. I'm just gonna try to enrich myself. I mean, I might cut a corner here, I might violate a principle there, but I'm just trying to get ahead, you know? Hey, be careful embracing that because the Bible says don't do that. It is folly, it's foolishness to give yourself to things that are so transit, so unpredictable, independable. Something that could be here today and gone tomorrow. Something such as the goods of this world. There's nothing wrong with having things. When we err is when things have us. And so his warning against that. He's saying, take heart, be mindful, be wise. Stop relying on your own understanding. There it is again. And your schemes, your own schemes to acquire wealth. Don't pursue just self-sufficiency and security at the hand of this world. Trusting your God because wealth is unreliable. Set your sight on the things of this world and they will sprout wings and disappear. So be careful when you think, well, I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna figure this out. I'll tell you, I just wanna be financially secure. I understand that and there's a place for that. But if you make that your primary pursuit at the expense of pursuing the Lord, let me ask you what are people standing to lose in this bank failure in California? Have you heard of that? They're saying that we may have a Black Monday tomorrow. They said people, many have lost millions, it's gone. It's gone. Can you imagine? People who live, I mean back during the Great Depression, people would take their lives because everything they worked so hard for was gone overnight. It was gone. See, it's not wrong to work hard. It's not wrong to invest. It's not wrong to be wise, to increase, to improve your position in life. But if you pursue that at the expense of pursuing God, Just know that you're not pursuing a safe, a secure path. It could blow up in your face without warning, without even knowing it, You say well well, some things are just I don't believe whatever happened or or some things are just too big to fail I think that is one of the great flaws of the modern era because it's like some banks are too big to fail even some countries are too big to fail I will tell you what that's the way Jerusalem that's the way Israel felt about themselves but read the book of Lamentations how this great great city has fallen I will tell you there's nothing that is in this temporary world that is above potential utter failure and destruction. I wouldn't cast my lot there. I'll tell you the future's with the people of God and Moses recognized that. And that's why he esteemed the riches of this world less than the glory of God, serving God and doing God's will with his life. If God increases, if God blesses, God wants us to steward it. Yes, put God first onto the Lord. He may even multiply and increase it that much more. But make sure that it all stands on a foundation of faith in God. Lord, I want to honor you with this. Because he's saying this, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom, Don't think, well, we're not going to pray about it. We're not going to get godly or wise counsel about it. We're not going to do our homework. Be careful in these get-rich-quick things. And by the way, don't you see them all over the internet? They're all over the place. Now, some may be legitimate, and there are are avenues, by the way. There are avenues to where you can really uh, turn a dollar bill in this day, especially online. But be careful getting caught up in that and going too far with that Because if you don't have wisdom and guidance of the Lord, it may literally blow up in your face, take wings, and fly away. Labor not to be rich. I think it's amazing. Labor to be right with God, to honor the Lord. And if God entrusts you with riches, thank him for it, steward it wisely, and invest in things that are of eternal worth and value. Now think of this. Look in chapter 23 still in verse 31. Underline this. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup. When it moveth itself aright, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Think of that. Look not. Underline it. One writer said it this way. I thought it was interesting. Anytime wine is referenced as good in the Bible, it's grape juice. Anytime it's referenced as bad, it's fermented. Now, there's a whole different study that can be done there, and I plan to do that because this is a topic today, not just in our world, but amazingly within our churches. The Bible cautions, God warns us here. Stay away from this. He said, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it is fermented. Uh, Think about this. As you study this, it's like the seductress that you are warned of time and again throughout the book of Proverbs. Wine captivates the foolish, the one who looks longingly at the wine, sparkling red in the cup, and dreams of it going down his throat smoothly. It's amazing here. Look thou not. Oh, the sparkle in one's eye, the anticipation, the intoxication, and then the consequence of that at the last. Would you underline that in verse 32? At the last. May not happen immediately. Don't normally do that. Or, or just all up front, but over some time, you lose your judgment. You lose your modesty. You lose your apprehensions. You ever been in a room where people are given to that and how sometimes they lose all their inhibitions and then they're saying and talking and doing things that are just, you're like, what? you ever been around that? And then sometimes they end up doing some of the most foolish things, sometimes things that they will regret the rest of their lives, and sometimes there are things that I've seen people get caught up in that they never recovered from. Never. I'm telling you, God gives us a stern warning here, a genuine caution. It's amazing when you think about the consequence and all of the negative that comes with this particular choice. How people, they get numb to things. I can see people now, uh, they would drink through the night and then they would get in fights. They would sometimes beat each other and then they'd wake In the morning, and then go right after it all over again. Think about the contradiction they become to themselves. It's like, I hate this, I'm sorrowful, I'm miserable. In the night, when it all starts to set in and take its toll, but then when the morning comes, it's like, hey, where's it at? Listen, I've lived this. I've lived it. I've seen people beat each other, literally. Police called all the time. I could see a man right now just wrangling, writhing in the floor. And and he he called me Timmy. I was just a little fella. And I remember him looking at me and he'd say, help me, Timmy. Help me, Timmy. Help me. Just pleading with I was just a kid. And he had just been beat to a pulp, laying there in our our living room floor. And I remember those times. But you know what? He'd kind of sleep it off. And wake up and go right to the refrigerator the next morning. Get another one out. Start all over again. You know, living that, that's one reason I have such a disdain for alcohol. And God does too. Because drunkenness is a plague. It's the number one drug in America. And that's not just a preacher stating that. That is something that the health field would verify as well. It affects our judgment. Think about people tonight who'll be maimed or killed by impaired drivers, drunk drivers, innocent people riding down the road. I'm telling you, if you have sympathy toward that, don't express that to me. I have none. I have no sympathy God have mercy on us in this hour. How can we excuse that? How can we somehow rationalize that? How can we talk about our Christian liberty? God have mercy on the church of the living God in this hour. Because God warns, get this, back in chapter 20, he says in verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise not wise there's nothing but folly that's the the thought here it's foolishness it's folly to act independently of what god has warned you against but it says here it's a mocker it's like this i mean there comes a time i could set this down anytime i want and then the day comes in your life when you can't set it down and in essence it mocks you every time you pick it up can't put me down can you can't leave me alone can you gotta have me don't you It becomes an outlet. It becomes a crutch. It becomes a refuge. And my heart goes out, by the way, to those who are bound by that because it is an addiction. It is a bondage. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ can set those who are bound free. We believe that, right? We believe that God forgives. We believe that God is able to restore And all testimonies could be given of how God delivered different ones from drunkenness who were given of that and then they became flaming witnesses for God, even preachers of the gospel that traveled the world telling the testimony of how God changed one's life. I still believe in the power of the gospel. We believe that. Thank God for it. So God says, don't do it. Don't go there. Don't entertain it. Don't even look that way. Don't cast your eye upon it. And then look, chapter 24, in verse 15. This is the last one. Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Think of this. Attacking the righteous is the fool's errand as well. The warning is directed against such a one who would target the home or the possessions of someone that belongs to the Lord. <laughs> Those who know God are resilient people. They are able by God's grace and strength to absorb all kinds of things that come against them in life and bounce back and serve God still. That's what he's saying here. Uh, Be careful when you try to uh, come against someone who's trying to do what's right, even to the point of taking from them what they, by right diligence, due effort, Have acquired in this life, God will defend them and God will bless them and God will help them to rise again. But you who set your eyes upon people for mischief, well, the Bible says you will be tripped up by your own designs. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever been so mad at somebody you plotted secretly within a way to get even with them? You say, well, I don't know if I want to admit that, okay? Sometimes the the transgressions, the offenses go that deep. The Bible says you better stop short. Stop it where it is in your heart right now. Stop it. Stop it! Don't you lay wait? Don't you look for the opportunity? Don't you just savor it in your heart and mind? I can't wait to see them suffer or hurt, and I want to inflict the pain upon. I want to see it on their face. I'll tell you what. Many of us have followed this trial in South Carolina, right? The Murdoch family, and what that judge said still resonates with me. When he sentenced Tim to prison, he said the face of your wife and son will visit you every night in your cell. And what you have in your mind right now to see someone suffer or hurt, I want to tell you, you will not get by with it. And it will come back to haunt you. The best thing to do is give it to God and ask God for grace to go on. You say, Pastor, surely I'll do that. I trust so. But the wounds and offenses of life sometimes go so deep and when that becomes a settled indignation, that's true bitterness in your heart. Sometimes so you don't feel anything anymore. Sometimes nothing affects you anymore. You're just numb to it. And people can do some mighty hurtful, damaging, destructive things when they're numb. Let's be careful. He said, I want you to know right now, whatever plots you have in mind, whatever schemes you have in mind, whatever thing that you are just maybe even standing by, and rather than intervening and helping someone, want to see them fall, and you're going to not help them. You're going to watch them fall. It's going to come back on you. We reap what we sow later than we sow and more than we sow. So be careful. I think tonight would be a good time for us just to stand with our heads bowed before the Lord and just come and just say, Lord, help me now. Surely God has spoken to us in some way or another tonight, this morning. This altar is always open, but tonight, what is God speaking to you about? We're all human. We all live in in a real world with the real battles and struggles and challenges. This whole dynamic of the world, the flesh, and the devil, it's real. The old nature, the new nature, we know what's right. We don't always do what's right. Sometimes we begin to waver within and and lean away from God. Oh, let's not embrace the way that's going to lead us away from the Lord. Let's embrace the words of the wise. God's Word tonight, and say, Lord, help me to lean into you, into your way, what you want. He's given us clear instruction right here. Take responsibility for your decisions based upon what God says is right.
0: Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube, and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.